Um, okay. So, oh, I don't even have the paint. I'm so nervous. Don't be nervous. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's I'm usually fine. like very <laughs> like cool as a cucumber. It's because it's <laughs> podcasting about podcasting, right? So everyone gets so self conscious. But like I've been here, so <laughs> don't worry. This is amazing. This is all going in. No, <laughs> oh god, the prep, <laughs> the, what oh it takes. God. But hey, people don't realize how hard it is to and do an interview. Nervous. Oh my god. So I had my laptop set up, thinking I was going to record straight through. Welcome to Shelf Under Podcast, the Toronto Public Library podcast for readers, writers, and podcasters. I'm Christina Wong, and for our season two opener, we're delving into the world of podcasting. First, I'll be chatting with award-winning podcast producer, audio storytelling instructor at Seneca College, and former TPL innovator in residence, Amanda Capito, on how she caught the podcasting bug. She'll also walk us through the steps to making a podcast and the rise of this storytelling medium. And then we'll get to know a little bit more about the Shelvender team. Finally, we'll be offering our own podcast recommendations. My name is Amanda Capito, and I'm a podcast producer, formerly the innovator in residence at the Toronto Public Library for podcasting. I've also written the book, Let's Talk Podcasting, The Essential Guide to Doing It Right. Which is very easy to read. I loved it. <laughs> did you enjoy it? I did, Oh, yeah. I'm so glad. Yeah, I was like, oh, I like this. <laughs> I wrote it like a long blog post, essentially, because I'm a journalist by, you know, my first career. So, uh, yeah, my background. So that's why I kind of just yeah, kept like, going. I um. I felt like you were talking to me. <laughs> Good. That's a great compliment. Yeah. So yeah. I was like, I love this. <laughs> Thanks. It's right there. And you know, I wrote it myself. It's in my voice for sure. So. No, yeah, I could tell. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, so how did you first get involved in the world of podcasting or how did you catch the podcasting bug? Yeah, so it kind of happened over time. I, as I mentioned, was in, uh, I was a journalist at first and I was working in radio and of course, I loved audio from a young age. I was always listening to the radio and calling into radio stations. So I went to school for journalism, got into um, major market radio as a producer, worked my way through as a reporter, a news anchor. And during that time, podcasting was kind of slowly starting to you know, get its uh, name and become popular and I was at getting asked to work on some podcast projects on the side just because I was really confident with editing audio and producing pieces. And then in 2014, things shifted, not only in my life, but also in the podcasting industry. That's what the year that Serial was released. This is the year that Gimlet, the production house, was made um, and launched. And I, at that time, I was working at a digital content agency and I started really paying attention seriously to the industry and how it could be um, made a, a business model could be made for it. And so that's when I really caught the bug, so to say, and started really just every day checking, you know, what was the latest and experimenting with things and pitching the idea to clients that we were working with. And through that, I ended up building out a podcast vertical at the content agency I was at called Media Face. And, uh, and 
the rest was history. Then I'm, now I've been producing podcasts ever since. It's amazing. So what was it about podcasting itself that, I guess, appealed to you more than, I guess, television or um, radio? Well, I guess podcasting is radio too, but... No, but yeah, was, there is differences. Yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, every medium has its own perks and things that you'll love about it, but specifically for podcasting for me, I think that there's an intimacy through audio. So Verse TV, when you're just listening to audio, you kind of have to let the listener imagine things and you, and through that you make it your own. So you develop these bonds that are incredible. And between radio and podcasting, I found that radio, I was, I was working in news. So of course the stories I was filing were based on the news wheel and I put you know, so much effort into a story that then when the day was done, the story was no longer relevant. It was like left on the, you know, cutting room floor. And so I really loved the idea of podcasting, kind of having a longer life, a longer shelf life. That's such a great description. Um, I like, when you're saying it has this intimacy and connection um, that you love about it, um, I guess what's been one story that's done that for you or and also, what, what makes a great story for you? Oh, I know those are two questions. big questions. Yeah. Okay, so first I'll start with what makes a great story. I think any, almost anything can be a great story. And it's a matter of, I mean, I take it as I need to be able to bring out the best version of it. And sometimes that means adjusting as the recorder or interviewer based on my subject. Because really, I really want people to feel comfortable when they're talking to me or even if I'm just there recording and not doing a formal interview. I want their authentic selves. And so to create an environment where people feel like they can be their authentic self, number one, without a camera, that always helps. I found in radio I was getting great interviews and more compelling clips than my TV colleagues because people forget that you're holding a mic. You're just looking into someone's eyes and you're not looking into a camera and have a big light on you. So I always felt like I could kind of get down to, the, um, to getting people to really feel comfortable right away, uh, or at least quicker. A story that I covered, my goodness, I mean... There's been so many. I The first one that just pops into my mind is one that I um, was one of my first podcast series I did with the digital content agency. Um, so the podcast series was called Her Story, and it was we were just profiling Canadian women. Mm-hmm. And one of the in episode one, the first woman we profiled was a woman named Victoria, and she was a blind Paralympic athlete. And she was telling us the story of how she lost her sight. And so she's a rower right now. And, you know, again, someone like that, I don't know how she would have responded and how she would have told the story if we came in with cameras, even though she she saw a little bit of sight. But that could actually make someone feel really self-conscious, especially if you can't see. But that intimacy of having my microphone there, I was able to record her you know, moving through her house and her husband telling her, you know, kind of, oh, take a step here and take a step there, made you feel like you were with us. And then she sat down and told us how um, she had, you know, a, a degenerating eye disorder. And she had kind of had a little bit of sight problems growing up. But then when she had her first child, she lost a significant amount of her sight. And then she really wanted to have a second child. But they doctors told her, you will pretty much lose all your sight if you have that second child. And she made this hard decision to have that second <gasps> child and give up her sight. I know. Good. Oh, my goodness. And so she has about 3% of her sight left now. And um, her telling all of this on the record and being so open right off the bat with me was incredible. 
Um, and she ended up, you know, going into a bit of a depression and feeling like a mom. And like her words were that she didn't feel like a, a good enough mom now because she couldn't do all the things she wanted oh to do God. for her kids. And that rowing and sports made her feel empowered and made her feel like a good oh. example for her kids oh. again. Right? Like just brings a tear to your eye. Yeah. And anyway, this the story was compelling. Hey, you can search up the episode if you want. It's still on iTunes and all that. Um, we'll link that. Yes, there you go. <laughs> but, you know, it's... Uh, it was it's it's those kind of stories where you need someone to be feeling comfortable to be able to just open up and share it's and like not that worry level of trust. the trust and uh, and not worry about anything else other than them speaking and i think uh yeah we were able to do that really well with that episode oh wow that's really powerful yeah. um what's been a story i guess that you've heard on a podcast that's affected you as well. Mm, that's a good one. I reference this episode quite often, even when I'm doing workshops about podcasting, and that's season one, episode one of Gimlet's Startup, which is, um, it's Alex Bloomberg, and he's talking about how he's starting. It's very meta. He's doing a podcast about starting his podcast company, and he has this audio of him pitching his company to a billionaire. And the episode's actually called How Not to Pitch a Billionaire because he gets really nervous. And <laughs> this audio is is incredible. And they're standing on a street corner and he's pitching him this idea and he's recording the whole thing. And he's so nervous and, his, and he and him and his own pitch tone, like the pitch of his voice, like is crackling and going all over the place. And what he does is he interweaves narration with the raw audio of that pitch. And he kind of goes, okay, now you're going to hear uh, yeah, my, my voice cracks and I sound like a dummy. And it cuts to right this, this amazing raw audio that you couldn't have planned, you couldn't have scripted. It's just so real and you feel like you're standing there listening to the conversation. And I remember listening to that in 2014 when it came out and going, there's something here. Like That's magical the way he told that story. And I know I could tell stories that way too, which yeah. is why it inspired me to, to oh, continue so nice. creating podcasts. Yeah. Um, so I, you talk about the different waves of podcasting, and mm-hmm. I guess 2014 was when it, like the pivotal moment, yes. I would say. Um, what would you think? Is there a third wave or fourth wave or whatever wave number yeah. we're at? I think, I definitely think there's more waves to come. That shift in 2014 was a real large one. And so, yes, it's really notable. Will that next wave come in this foreseeable future? I don't know when. It might be a while. Because right now we're on a slow, I feel, a slow trajectory upward. Every year, listenership is growing. Every year, more and more podcasts are getting released, right? So we're kind of chugging along now in this pretty predictable up climb. But I do think what would indicate another wave or what what would be a catalyst? I think... Once someone cracks either a new way, a new technology that allows listening to happen in a different way, that will shift things. But another shift we might also see is in more of the the business model of podcasting and the way we consume it, because right now it's a bit fragmented. We have all these listeners, we have all these podcasts, but people are still trying to figure out what's the best way to monetize a podcast? What's the best way of disseminating a podcast? And once we start seeing a more streamlined version of that where there's a go-to. So like Apple is saying they might start doing originals. So that can really change the game in the podcasting landscape. If that, you know, busts onto the scene in a big way, 
everything can change. We also saw right now there was this just recently um, the release of a streaming service called Luminary. Yes. <laughs> you were going to ask about that? Good. You're on it. Well, because that has the potential to change how we listen to podcasts. But So it's had a bit of a rocky launch. And essentially, for those of you who don't know what Luminary is, this is a streaming service very similar to a Netflix, but for podcasts. We don't know yet if it's it's just so new. It launched last month, so it's still in its exploratory phase. But these kinds of innovations, these kinds of um, you know different ways of disseminating podcasts, will once it gets more streamlined, once we kind of figure out what works, what doesn't, everyone's going to just copy it. That's what you know. That's what always happens. Someone just needs to crack that nut, and uh, whenever that happens, uh, we might be seeing a next wave. Do you think it's gone too corporate? Mm. Um, only because I did read Spotify had acquired, um, was it Gimlet? Yes, Spotify yes, had just Gimlet. in February of this year, 2019. Yes. So I feel like once the big corporations kind of jump in, yeah. is, there, is there still room for the indie voice or the indie podcast? I'm scared of that, to be honest, because... Of course. I mean, Gimlet became far from indie as it was anyway. They were pretty big themselves and had more than 50 podcasts, more than 100 employees. But they were just creating content that, you know, they didn't really have an alternate agenda per se. They were really story driven, which is why I love, which is why I love them. Um, Another recent acquisition was Pacific Content, which was a branded podcast company out of Canada, was acquired by Rogers Media. Oh, wow. And that was a big deal in the podcast community as well, because especially out of Canada, we don't have as many podcast networks as we do in the U.S. And Pacific Content had really made a name for themselves. Again, great work, loved their podcasts, high quality. Um, What does that mean when when Rogers owns them? What's it going to look like? But... At the same time, I'm still seeing there's still a lot of smaller networks, especially in the US, that are still gonna be creating great podcasts mm-hmm. that are gonna be accessible, that are gonna, you know, make headlines, so to say, and, and get a lot of uh, attention around them. So I don't think we're gonna lose out on that voice. Podcasting okay. is the ex- most accessible medium. Yeah. It'll, there will always be room for indie voices, okay. I think. Um, in that world, how do you think we can ensure, I guess, diverse voices are still being heard? I guess that's it's still overwhelmingly not diverse. Yeah. So how do we, do you, I don't know. Yeah, I think there's no perfect answer to that. But what I will say is that there has been such an intentionality around um, lifting diverse voices in the podcasting space, unlike I've seen in any other broadcast medium that I've been working in. You know, in my in my lifetime, I've never seen so much intentionality around scholarships, podca- uh, podcast bursaries, you know, um, grants being av- available for people of color, women's voices, you know, like just marginalized voices. There are, there are really is a lot going out. So there was a Google PRX context. Okay. <laughs> yeah, were you going to mention it? <laughs> yes. And they're specifically said that's what, that's who they're looking to fund. They have $40,000 up for grabs. They had um, two waves of this pot of this contest. And so I'm so excited to see what comes out of that. That's the kind of stuff that we need in order to ensure that we keep that space open and that we really do lift the voices and also um, the voices that need to be lifted. But, you know, and also there's some tracking around it that 
is being done from day one, which was not done, for instance, in news. So, you know, um, Work It, which is uh, a conference hosted by WNYC in the U.S., they've been tracking the top 20 Apple podcasts and how many are hosted by women. And they now have an ongoing tracker, and they've seen an increase in women's voices being uh, chosen as hosts, right, which is great. So, um the most recent stat was that there was uh, about 30, in the 30s, 30% of the ho- the podcasts were hosted by women. And just a matter of three, four years ago was in its low 20s. So we've already seen a bit of a jump. Still would be great if it was closer to 50-50. But we're making progress. And hey, we have benchmarks. And we're sharing those stats so that everyone's aware. And I think those are those kinds of measures that are really important so people can just have, uh, you know, that awareness around the inclusivity piece and really intentionally try to try to change it. So I think those that's important and that's very prevalent in the podcasting space. Yeah, it's um, I forget her name, but I was reading the transcript of the person who won. uh, This was at the Third Coast International Awards and her speech was just incredible. Yeah, it was about people of color being involved. Right. Yes. And I was just like, you see, there's no no one who's diverse, but here are the people. Why aren't you call- <laughs> calling them? Yep. And then she even created an email. Yes. Like, email me if, if, if you're one like, of them. Yeah. This is amazing. Like we need these kinds of initiatives. And I think, and I, and you, I want the gatekeepers or whoever to just, you know, either, either tap into this or just kind of be more open. Yes. At, but yeah. And I think that, yeah. So even just having that speech on that platform and circulated as much as it, as it was great. And no, that's the, exactly. That's the kind of stuff. I hope to continue to see. How challenging is it to make a living in podcasting? Uh, (laughs) Yes, I get that question a lot. I think it really depends. If you asked me in Canada, if I start my own podcast in my basement, how likely is it that I can then have it be my full-time job? It's a bit difficult. It can happen. And this is just kind of like when bloggers were starting, right? So everyone could start a blog. And you saw some people really rise to the top, be able to make a living off it, become what we call now influencers. Yes. But it wasn't, you know, it wasn't everyone. But at the same time, there are a lot of jobs in podcasting. And so I teach at Seneca College and I teach the uh, radio and audio storytelling class where it was great. I got to rewrite the class to include podcasting. Um, And I tell those students of mine, hey, if you like podcasting, sure, start your own, go experiment, dabble, but Look on the go look for jobs because jobs are getting posted all the time right now. The Rogers, the courses, even these big companies are wanting to hire people who know how to make podcasts. Mm-hmm. They're starting to invest in the medium, which is great. It's a bit of an exploratory time, but hey, why not? We're also seeing a lot of government grants going towards podcasting. We're seeing a lot of companies who even just want an internal podcast. And so if you love podcasting that much and you just want to be making podcasts for a living and, and you're flexible with what it's about and um, where you're doing it, oh yeah, you can get a job. There's there's postings going up all the time. Um, it might not be the the exact topic you want to do it on, but hey, that's any industry, right? You got to start somewhere and build a portfolio and and then just go from there. So I think it just depends on how you define what success looks like in that space for you I think that audio storytelling can be incredible no matter where you do it so if you if you if people are able to broaden out their their horizons that way then yeah they can definitely get a job in podcasting and how you're saying anything can be a story anything yeah exactly (laughs) you know I just think there's a lot of potential for stories and people don't realize can you walk us through your journey of getting an idea to an actual podcast yeah I think that's 
probably a long thing, but, <laughs> but let's let's yeah, <laughs> let's tackle this. How, walking it through. Well, I'm sure as many people can relate to this. I have so many ideas for podcasts. Every other day, I'm like, that could be a podcast, and and so and people are like that with anything they're passionate about. But it's kind of wading through, like, okay, what's a realistic idea that I want to really highlight, and then taking it across the finish line. So, I mean, usually how I start is if I have an idea, I start running it by people, seeing how they react, um, and I immediately start thinking about how the first thing is like who is the audience and how is it best to tell this story which is a lot of people don't take that step and I think that's why there's a lot of podcasts that we see that has one episode and nothing else or you know six months worth of doing work and then just drop off because it's either not sustainable they can't find their audience or they're not doing it in a way that's actually best and even something as simple as coming up with the name of a podcast and one line to describe it that is so important. People just zoom past that part no. of the process. <laughs> it it is, takes so long. It takes so long. And and I encourage people to sit and write and rewrite and say it out loud and say it to a friend and record themselves and listen back, right? Because those they say, you know, if you get people listening past 10 seconds of your pod, first 10 seconds of your podcast, they're probably going to stick through the whole thing. So those 10, first 10 seconds are so valuable, you got to make the best use of it. So I guess I'm really just talking about this beginning part a lot, but that is really, it's really key. the importance. Yeah. Because then the rest of it, you can read it's blogs a- and record and edit, and that's all going to change depending on what kind of podcast you have. But no matter what podcast you have, those beginning steps are just so important. And so, yeah, and if you have more than one person working on it, it's really helpful. I'll say that too. Even just someone to bounce ideas off of and talk things out For with. Sure. So that's really key to like go into it prepared, yes. knowing what you want and yes. what you, you think your, you know, reflect the audience or no, think of your audience as you said. Yes, so, yeah. exactly. Um, do you have any tips or advice to new podcasters or what do you like to tell your students? My number one thing I like to tell people, students or people in my workshops, is that break out of the of the headspace of trying to to make a podcast like a chat cast. And I know that sounds, so the chat cast of, like, this is kind of technically a chat cast, but this works. But I think people listen to this kind of podcast, and then they think, that's the only way I can do a podcast. And so I just tell people, listen to other things. Listen beyond, even if you have your favorite two podcasts and this is how they are, great. You don't even have to like the content of, of other podcasts you listen to, but listen for the format. Listen to how they edit the story together. And get inspired by that, by the production of it, and maybe you're gonna be able to draw little pieces, and we're in a time where we're all defining different formats, it's so exciting. Draw pieces from a million different podcasts, I mean, this is how I work, right? I I take a a thing from here, a thing from there, and I put it together because it makes sense for what I'm trying to make here, and and that's how you were gonna be really telling stories to the best way, the best way that they could possibly be told. So I want to encourage people to break out of that headspace of, I just need to sit down and do interviews. And it's about how you're saying listening in, because that's so important, because then you could either pick up something that you normally wouldn't have picked up, and that becomes your story or something. Yes. Oh, (laughs) I'm getting inspired now. Good. Start another podcast. (laughs) Um, So last fall, you were the innovator in residence um, at the Toronto Reference Library, I need to say that. Yes. (laughs) At the Innovation Hub. I want to ask, what what did you take away from that experience? Um, what did you learn from it? Or- so, yeah, my experience as the innovator residence at the Toronto Reference Library, it was incredible. I got to meet a lot of amazing people. I took away from that 
that there is a lot of people who are hungry to make podcasts, to learn about podcasts. And I was so grateful for the experience because I also did one-on-one consultations where I got to meet people, sit down and really hear their ideas. And I had so many amazing ideas shared with me. And not only am I grateful for people trusting me to tell me their idea, but also I genuinely was excited for them and so excited to hear what comes of that. You know, my dream would be that someone makes a podcast that does really well and goes, yeah, like, you know, I started from a session at the library and I and I don't doubt that it could happen. Like there was some really, really brilliant ideas. And I think sometimes people just needed to hear that too from someone other than their mom, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. I, I, I think hearing it from me really validated some people yeah. in their idea yeah. and... Their ideas. And that's so important because so important. it's just having that mentor there yes. and just, um, yeah. Sorry. I was so glad. No, and that was exactly it. I was so glad to be in that role and to be able to to tell to talk to people about those kinds of things. And I hope that, yeah, I hope that they still feel encouraged on their journey because there can be ups and downs like any project, and it's hard. And I just hope that they uh, they stick with it because there was a lot of there was a lot of really great stuff coming from there. Do you have any? book recommendations or maybe I should say podcast recommendations. Yes. So podcast recommendations, which kind of ties into reading um, as well as my favorite one is Modern Love. And so this is from the New York Times. um, And this is a section where people submit essays. And so you can not only if you want to read it, hey, go to the library and get the New York Times and you can physically read the Modern Love section. Um, But if you want a podcast recommendation, and hey, here we go, the Modern Love podcast, they get, it's amazing what they do, they get actors to read these essays about love, loss, and redemption. That's the tagline of the podcast. I listen to it quite often. Um, and and then they they soundscape it so beautifully. It's incredible. And then so the first half of the podcast is them reading an essay. In the second half, they have a conversation with the author, with the actor who read it, with the editor of the of the section, right? And they all they all discuss, you know, just follow up where are they now and, you know, some choices that were made and why. So I think uh, like, and this is a great one because it's evergreen, that word meaning you can go and pop in at any time. It's relevant. You don't have to listen sequentially. You could just go listen to any episode and appreciate it. They stand alone. It's just a really great listen. So that would be my, there's a little reading and podcast recommendation in there. Awesome. I'd like to thank Amanda for coming in and chatting with me about all things podcasting. She's got some really great tips. So if you're thinking of starting your own podcast, and I highly recommend her book, Let's Talk Podcasting, which the library does have. And now we'll hear from my fellow hosts, Wendy, Jason, and Mike, and producer Ted. What got you into podcasting in the first place? I don't remember what made me first listen to my first podcast, but I remember that it was an episode of Radio Lab, uh, and I was immediately smitten. I know you are also a fan of Radio Lab, right, Christina? Yes, yeah, very much so. Yes, yeah, it's so good. And I and I think I was reading a blog post that linked to it, um, and it was about there were two episodes about animal minds. One of them was about a leopard seal, and one of them was about a chimpanzee. 
And uh, I wound up listening to them back to back and it, they just blew my mind. And after that, I was addicted and listened to them all, listened to all the radio labs and then started listening to other podcasts as well. So generally podcasts are meant to, I guess, make you feel connected or invested in characters or even the stories. What story has done that for you or what or maybe a podcast episode or a certain podcast in general? For me, when it's a topic that I'm really excited about, that's what will really engage me. Very recently, I've been listening to This American Life again. I kind of come on and off of it. But when there's these really human interest stories where they talk about someone's personal lived experience, those kind of stories really connect with me. What do you think makes a great story? Um, okay, I think for me, what I like most in a story is being surprised. I like a good plot twist and the, the sort of the details of human behavior. People are almost always surprising when you kind of scratch beneath the surface a little bit. Why did you want to do a podcast for the Toronto Public Library? The honest answer is just that it seemed like fun and interesting and it's something I just wanted to give it a try and see what it would be like. The nice thing with the format of our podcast is that we get to talk to people that interest us at that time. What have you learned so far doing this podcast? Probably everybody says this, but it's a lot harder than than it looks and a lot harder than I thought it would be. Um, it takes a lot longer than you think it's going to take. Making a podcast is a lot of work. Podcasting takes a lot of time. It's very time consuming. Editing and everything takes up a lot of time. What would be your podcast or book recommendation? Okay, so um, obviously Radiolab, it's amazing. It's still going on uh, and it's still really, really good. And there are hundreds of episodes at this point. And let's see, in terms of book recommendations, okay, I'm actually reading something right now that I love and there's something sort of podcasty about it. Um, it's So it's this book called Flights. The author is Olga Tokarczuk. She's a Polish writer and it's in translation. It's this collection of short essays, like most of them are less than a page long, and then short, sort of interspersed with short stories. They're all on the theme of travel. And um, I'm feeling such a personal affinity with this author. She's just really good company and her, her voice is really sort of intimate and personal. And it's kind of like listening to somebody. It's like, like with a podcast when you've got your headphones on and they're talking right in your ear. That's kind of what the reading experience is like. And, and that's sort of how she writes too. It's the sort of... I, I, I don't even know how to describe it. I just strongly recommend check out Olga Tokarczuk. Um, she's got a new book called Drive Your Plow Over the Bones of the Dead. One of my favorite podcasts right now is a show called Oppo. It's from Canada land. It does Canadian news criticism. They also have an offshoot podcast, which they started, which is discussing politics. It's hosted by two people named Justin Ling and Jen Gerson. And they just talk about different issues that are occurring. It's a bi-weekly podcast, but it's really entertaining. And like they really delve down into topics. And, you know, one of them is a little bit more left-leaning and the other one's more right-leaning. But they always kind of find a consensus in the middle, which I really appreciate and like because very divisive sometimes. And the other one is called, it's another Canadian show called Stop Podcasting Yourself. It's a comedy show out of Vancouver. And they're just two comedians, stand-ups. And they talk to guests who are also in comedy in one way or another. And it's very kind of Canadian. It's very polite in a way and fun and consistent. But I really liked listening to it. It's a salve kind of podcast. My podcast recommendation is Missing and Murdered, which is a CBC true crime uh, podcast. There have been two seasons as of the moment we're recording this. Both seasons um, have dealt with missing and murdered Indigenous women. 
and what I really like about it is it's a true crime podcast, um, which gives you the true crime element, but also brings in the context of the larger society and how these crimes are representative of other issues that are happening in society. In the second season, they have a, um, a family who's looking for their relative who was taken in the 60s scoop when she was a young girl. She was adopted by a family in the States. And so they are trying to figure out what has happened for to her. What it's really done is taken that true crime sort of format, but use it to have a look at the effects of the crime on the family and the effects that the 60s scoop has had on the family members to change tones. If anyone wants to have, have like know some baseball podcast recommendations just email our shelf under email and i can send you like five different baseball podcast recommendations my recommendation is going to be um the maximum fun uh podcast network so they have a, a whole suite of of podcasts and it's one of these uh independently owned um there's a lot of comedy sort of entertainment and culture podcasts so that the ones that i really like are um uh, Judge John Hodgman's on that network. Um, there's a podcast called Friendly Fire. And if you want to be really sort of nerdy, and I, and I love this podcast, but it's um, it'll definitely label me, I guess. But The Greatest Generation is a Star Trek podcast. <laughs> if you go to the website, MaximumFun.org, you'll be able to see all of their all of their podcasts. That's so cool. Something I like about that podcast and, and podcast in general, to get back to your an earlier question, was uh, the communities that sort of arise around a lot of podcasts. And um, the one nice thing with that Star Trek podcast in particular, there's a whole um, like inside community, um, really supportive group of people who, who have connected through that, that podcast. It's really interesting. And I've seen that with a few different um podcast I listen to and it's a kind of a neat aspect that you don't get with a lot of other media. What's one thing that you like to share to the, our listeners that we don't know about you? I read a lot of books. I guess that's not surprising since I'm a librarian and everything. Um, uh, I like to cook. Oh boy. Other than dad jokes? Other than dad jokes. Other than dad jokes. <laughs> I, like, I like cats. Cats are cool. Yeah. About me? Yeah. Well, we just found out you're a turkey fan. <laughs> yeah, I think have I said enough? <laughs> so there are several definitions of what defines a story, but I really like this one that I found on dictionary.com. It describes a story as a narrative, either true or fictitious, in prose or verse, designed to interest, amuse, or instruct hearer or reader. So what makes a great story? So as my fellow hosts already said, a story should have compelling characters and can be relatable in some way. Stories have the ability to make you think, laugh, and cry. So if you're thinking about making a podcast, it does take longer than you think. But don't let that deter you. Just, you know, prepare yourself for that. There's stories around us just waiting to be told and heard. And to reiterate what Amanda had said earlier, anything can make a great story. And in this season of Shellvender, we hope to bring you more stories about the library, about its services, about its people, and the issues that affect us and the city.
Wendy Banks just wants to be left alone to read. Jason Bazadian makes a good kimchi. And Ted Belke is a hardcore trekker. Michael Warner slips in dad jokes in conversation. And Christina Wong likes to ask questions. Amanda Cupido is an award-winning podcast producer. Visit www.amandacupido.com to learn more about her work. Music by Highs. Shelve Under Podcast is a Toronto Public Library production. It is produced by Wendy Banks, Jason Bazadian, Ted Belke, Michael Warner, and Christina Wong. With production assistance by George Panayotu. 